You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. Ethics is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. Ethics is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Thursday morning, the day before Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve Eve, as we're recording. And uh, we have, uh, you know, the the typical, like, low-hanging fruit uh, sports talk radio topic here today with our Michigan State football Christmas wish list. So we'll get to some things here uh, on the field, off the field, whatever we are looking for, things that yeah, we would like to see Santa Claus drop off for the Michigan State football program. So we'll get to all of that. Uh, we have a little bit of news sprinkling out of the transfer portal, which we will touch on as well. But before we do, Scott, it is Christmas Eve Eve. How are we doing today? Doing good. I'm back in the great state of Michigan uh doing a little almost two-week road trip around seeing families seeing friends uh enjoying the festivities and biding our time until next thursday uh the bull pickums rolling i am tied <laughs> for first you I don't are want to talk about that. dead last <laughs> dead last by a lot by two full games so it's, it's um, terrible dude i i've stopped gambling on these games because i i have just lost any sense of a read on anything bowl related i did really well during the regular season i am just getting eaten alive in bowl season yeah i'm not i'm doing pretty well uh nine and four so far so hopefully that'll keep going uh if history is our teacher here uh it will fall apart so i'm enjoying it while it lasts but uh yeah i'm excited for this msu game coming up um hopefully covid doesn't have any impacts on it we're seeing some rumblings out of other games obviously texas a&m dropped out of the gator bowl uh it sounds like georgia has a little bit of an outbreak in their program so fingers crossed mel and his guys and uh the folks on the other side over at Pitt can all, you know, keep things straight and uh, and get to this bowl game healthy and ready to go. Yeah, hopefully we don't need it. Uh, they did mention that there is kind of a one-week buffer that if something happened, they'll try to reschedule it within a week. And if not, they'll just kind of say no contest and and not play the game, which would obviously be worst-case scenarios. So, Hopefully we don't need to worry about that protocol, but that is kind of what is in place right now that if necessary, they'll try to reschedule it within a week of the game. And uh, like I said, hopefully we don't need to cross that path, but uh, for those curious, 
So, Scott, before we get into our topic here today, uh, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, Christmas in the Martin household uh, as a child, what what did that typically look like for you guys? Well, we'd get up, do our our gifts under the tree. Um, When I was younger, we'd go to church like late morning or the night before. Um, and then usually it was, we have a pretty small extended family. So usually it would just be, you know, a rotating get together at our, you know, one of our aunts and uncles houses or, or our house, if it was our year and kept it low key. But the one thing we do every Christmas is watch a Christmas story on, what is it? TBS or something. Classic. Yeah. Uh, they just got it rolling for like 48 straight hours. So we put it on. The funny thing is too, until like i a couple of years ago, I had never sat down and watched it from the beginning to the end. We just <laughs> I've had it on say- <laughs> and it's like, oh, you might be like in there, you know, they're out at the mall shopping or it might be the shoot your eye out scene or like the lick in the pole scene. I never really knew where the movie started and ended. I just had like this collective memory of all the different scenes matched together. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat for sure. Like I've definitely seen every scene in that movie like multiple times, but I still, to this day, I don't think I've ever sat down start to finish and watched that whole movie, but I've definitely seen the whole movie multiple times. It's, it is one of those kind of uh, situations. Yeah. Yeah. We fire it up like, you know, as we're having breakfast and just leave it on maybe for the morning or a little bit into the afternoon. And by the end of the day, you've caught 80, 90% of the movie and you figure you'll fill in the gaps next year. Right. Yeah, we so I grew up in a, a half Polish house. So for those Poles out there, uh, Christmas Eve is really the bigger day for Polish people. So we did like the Polish Christmas on Christmas Eve, you'd have a Polish dinner. And then we did the midnight mass. So midnight mass at a Polish church which now I speak a little bit of Polish at the time I didn't speak any Polish. So the priest is up there rambling on for two hours. I had no idea what he was saying. It was basically me, my brother and my dad just kind of trying not to fall asleep. And then, uh, yeah, we did. So we kind of had like two Christmases. It was the Polish Christmas and then the American Christmas, uh, which was pretty nice, but best Christmas movie. You, you said Christmas story. Is that the best or is that just the, the most traditional yeah, no, definitely not the best. I don't even like it all that much. Um, <laughs> I do have, so my fiance is a Christmas nut. She loves it. Um, that I am well aware of. And that has rubbed off a little bit. So we, I, I put her through football season, right? August through December. And I watch far too much football. So she gets back at me. And in December, she has like a list of 30 Christmas movies that we have to watch between like December 1st and Christmas. So you can imagine by the time Christmas rolls around, I'm, I'm ready to be done. But through going through that tradition for the last like four years or five or six, seven years, whatever, uh, I have developed my Mount Rushmore, my personal okay. Mount Rushmore. Um, so there's a new one on there, Klaus. I don't know if you've yes, seen it. Yes, I was going to mention that. That is phenomenal i don't know why i don't usually go with the animated ones but i love that movie it's got like almost like that tim burton style animation in parts of it but then it has a totally different style in other parts and the story's great great movie if you haven't seen it check it out then some more traditional ones uh christmas vacation 
you cannot get around that is the funniest christmas movie hands down um it's a wonderful life so throwing a classic a, a super classic in there um I, we watched the colorized version, but if you want the true experience, you got to watch the black and white. And then what's my fourth one? Oh, crap. All right. Give me your top Christmas movie and come back. To <laughs> yeah. Klaus was, was definitely in the running there. That's a, a late addition, but the, the Parker family, we would always watch a Christmas Carol, but the, the eighties version with George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge, that was the classic for us uh, that we would put on just about every year. And uh, I, d- I don't know what it is about that version or that movie, but that was an absolute classic. Uh, Marley's ghost in that one just cracks me up for whatever reason. Um, when he has to like, he has like the bow cause his jaw drops. Cause you know, he's dead. And then he has to like tie the bow on the top of his head and his jaw like slips back up to his, uh, <laughs> the rest of his face. I, that gets me every time, but yeah, the eighties the version of the Christmas Carol was, was a Parker family staple. Uh, so but we the, watched... I, I might say Klaus is the best Christmas movie like that. That was just one where we saw for the first time last year. Incredible. Couldn't recommend yeah. it more. And you don't really know how they're going to tie it all into Christmas as you're watching the, like the first half of the movie, you kind of get the picture as you go, but it's just a little bit atypical. It's not like the same story, you know, something's threatening Santa getting all the gifts out, you know, some non North pole goes to the North pole to help Santa save Christmas. It's like, it's not that recycled story. Um, Speaking of a Christmas story, we watched the animated one from like probably the early thousands um and it's got like that polar express style of animation where it's like not quite steering fully into the animated goofiness yeah. but not quite trying to make it look real and you just get that bizarre like video game animation um and the the jaw the marley jaw scene in that one is like <laughs> it's also hilarious but also really terrifying um but that's the one we watch and it's eh, it's okay um the fourth one i remembered home alone uh all-time classic growing up watching that as a kid that is like every kid's dream right you get the house to yourself and you just set a bunch of toy traps and you fight off the bad guys and yeah i I (laughs) fell in love with that movie when i was a kid and still love it yeah just the first one they get significantly worse each time oh god did you see that they're making a new one i saw the trailer i wanted to throw up it was just well disgusting. even like the it, what was it i think it was home alone four that they I, ditched I macaulay culkin too. <laughs> yeah two was macaulay culkin and it was it was okay and yeah after that i mean it's just milk and the cash cow yeah yeah you gotta do what you gotta do but we'll we'll you know it's it's always a fun time of year i love christmas everybody loves christmas come on unless you don't celebrate it of course there are there are those out there uh but to move on, we got a Christmas topic here. Before we get there, we got a, an interesting DraftKings promotion here this week. To be completely honest, uh, I don't know if this is for us. I, I'll peek behind the curtain here. Uh, we have a folder with the DraftKings scripts, and this is the one it says for right now. And so we're going to roll with it. Scott, the Detroit Red Wings, I don't know if you know this, are are a little bit hot right now. They're a little spicy. They got a young team. They got uh, the Iser plan, as you have coined it, is uh, is is 
coming together and we've got we've got an NHL uh promo here this week. So football fans, hockey fans, whoever you might be listening to this, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. No worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with uh, all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. They're giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. A little curveball for you guys out there. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions supplies to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. So first of all, Scott, we got to update the transfer portal here. Uh, nothing new coming in, uh, but uh, with the news of, of some guys going out, some scholarships have been freed up. And I'm sure that down the line here, we will have some announcements of guys uh, while well, going into uh, or coming, coming into Michigan state from the portal, however you want to phrase that. So uh, the, the updates from the last time that we recorded, we had tight end Cameron Allen, who we were pretty excited about coming in. Uh, he was one of those guys that, you know, we kept hearing about him in the weight room, putting up big numbers. Um, so that one was, caught us a little bit off guard uh, with Ke- uh, Cameron Hayward. Excuse me. I'm like losing my mind here. Hayward uh, graduating Tyler Hunt. Like there seemed to be some opening there at the tight end position, but Cameron Allen hit in the transfer portal. Wide receiver Ian Stewart also heading out, heading to hopefully greener pastures for him. And then the most recent was linebacker Cole DeMarzo is also hitting the portal. So we've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. If I'm counting that right, guys that are currently in the portal from Michigan State, some have signed places. Kalon Gervin is heading to Kansas after switching over from uh, a Wisconsin commitment, but lots of scholarships available. I'm sure we'll hear about some stuff, uh, uh, other guys coming in to Michigan state uh, as, as the off season rolls on here, maybe after the bowl game, when, when some of that stuff starts getting finalized. So uh, anything really surprising there between those new additions, anything that you wanted to highlight? Yeah. I mean, Cam Allen's the, the surprise for me, um, like you said, with Connor Hayward headed out and at a position that didn't seem to have a, a true tight end really taking the reins there. I thought there was an opportunity for him to to make a run at that position. Who knows what's happening behind closed doors? I think Tyler Hunt's coming back. Um, and there's a good crop coming in with Jack Nickel and Michael Masunis, uh, even our, our sole 2023 recruit. Uh, Brennan Parachek is a tight end as well. So it's going to be a busy room, but there is an opening at the top. 
Um, I liked his game. Malik Carr is also obviously around, and we have spoken about how he looks at least physically ready to take on that role. But, you know, you'd think at least go through the spring with that opening, um, see how things flush out, you know, put your best in and see it. But but maybe, you know, the tea leaves were a lot clearer. Uh, obviously, he get, I'm sure they're a lot clearer for him. Right. Well, um, that's the thing and, too, is people kind of forget that we kind of read this from a totally different perspective of the players because they are there every single day in practice. Like we see flashes of Malik Carr and, and we say, man, he could be really good one day. Maybe Cameron Allen sitting there in practice with him every day being like, dude, this guy is so much better than me. Like, I don't know that that could be the case. Like, I'm not saying that that's true or false, but you know, these guys know the players around them a lot better than we do. And when you kind of stack yourself up in that group, sometimes reality sets in of like, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to see the field in front of this guy or, or something. So it, it, it could be a good sign for the tight end room moving forward. I don't know. Yeah. And nonetheless, I mean, like you said, the tight end room, it should be in good shape with Malik Carr, with Tyler Hunt, with a couple of new guys. Um, I think we've got a lot of talent at that position and uh, we only need one really. So uh, I think it'll be, I think it'll be all right. But yeah, Cam Allen, we spoke at length about him this previous off season as a guy who we thought could make an instant impact potentially as an early enrollee, maybe get on the field this year. Didn't really see him at all. So um you know, we're always rooting for these guys. Hopefully he finds a better situation for himself and hopefully we'll hear his name uh, in the headlines someday. Yep. We wish all these guys the best of luck as always. So let's get to our main topic here today, our Christmas theme sports talk radio classic uh, bit here. We're doing the Michigan state football wish list. So uh, the plan was to each come to the table with three. We'll see how that goes. We always end up kind of bending our own rules a little bit, but that's why there are rules. We're allowed to bend them. Uh, I wanted to to do this as like a one on the field, one coaching, one off the field kind of program thing, but I, I couldn't really find ones to fit into those buckets. Uh, but I, I'm going to start here. I'll, I'll, I'll get us started with an on the field wish list item here. And it'll be my only direct on the field uh, impact kind of thing. The the one thing that I want, and and just to preface this as well, like we're not trying to to make these like, I want the next Trevor Lawrence. Like, okay, duh. I want a national championship. Like, all right, duh. Trying to find ones that may be a little more creative, but also uh, maybe some that are a little bit more realistic. You know, uh, I, I want the next Justin Fields too, but you know, let's, let's keep this in the realm of, of fun and, and entertaining, but also somewhat realistic and, uh, you know, attainable. So I'm not going to go with like the generational quarterback. I'm not going to say like a generational type of guy, but specifically for this team for 2022, I would love, love a dominant pass rusher. And, you know, we talk a lot about how the past defense was struggling all year. And it's just going to take more than one, even maybe more than two pieces to fix that. Uh, A lot of people were complaining about the scheme. A lot of people were 
complaining about the talent, about the depth at the cornerback position, uh, at the safety spots. But if if we're talking about like one guy that can come in and make a difference in the pass defense, if you give me somebody who's affecting the passer on every snap and, and somebody that the offensive coordinator has to game plan and scheme around this guy causing problems, uh, if you give me a, an elite pass rusher, and I'm not talking like I don't need, you know, a Kayvon Thibodeau, like Joey Bosa type, like generational dude. I'm talking like a Kenny Willekes, like a, a Shalit Calhoun, like a, a really, really good borderline elite pass rusher. You know, but I don't think that we're asking too much here to get a, the next Kenny Willekes or something. Nothing against Kenny, but, uh, you know, I don't need a, a top five pick. I, I just need a guy who's going to affect the quarterback on a snap in snap out basis. And it's just something that we didn't really have this year. And when you think about some of the problems that we had in the defensive backfield, like not only did we have kind of a lack of general talent, a lack of depth, but at the same time, like we didn't have anybody getting to the quarterback consistently and getting there quickly. We had some guys in Panishuk and Beasley who could get home but it was more on the hustle side. It was more on the effort side where if the quarterback's hanging onto the ball for more than three, three and a half, four seconds, then they could get home. I'm looking for that guy that from snap two seconds and he's already in your face. Right. And, and those guys exist. Like this isn't something that that's totally unreasonable. So give me a, an elite big 10 pass rusher an all big 10 level pass rusher who can affect the quarterback every snap. And I think that's that's the easiest way to impact that defensive backfield and the passing defense. Yeah, I like it. It feels like we haven't had a guy like that, I think, since, you know, like a Kenny Willekes. Um, so it's been a few years. And in, when you can't generate a pass rush, sometimes it's really hard to watch your defense operate. Um, and it doesn't matter how good your secondary is if you're giving them a lot of time. It's just hard to defend for a long time in, in college Um and, and you're asking a whole lot. And obviously with our secondary, they've got some room to improve. So, you know, having that consistent pressure, uh, it would be great. I am going to ask for something similar, but on the other side of the ball, um, a similarly great all Big Ten level left tackle. Um, our tackles okay. were okay this year. Jarrett Horst was coming in with a lot of praise and he had a good year, but he was in and out with injuries. Um and nonetheless isn't the type of guy who's going to be around for a long time. Obviously, we just missed out on Keontae Goodwin, and he certainly would have filled this this mold as a guy who could potentially be, you know, someday all Big Ten. Um, but nonetheless, whether it's, a you know, a transfer with a few years of eligibility or, or somebody coming up through the ranks, give me that guy who we can just be confident three, four years at left tackle like a Jack Conklin, right, where – um, you just put him out there and you know he's going to do his job in the run game, in the pass game. You don't have to worry about it. You, you seal that blind side and, and you build your program around it. Um, <clears throat> because there's so many dominant pass rushers, edge rushers, especially in the Big Ten the last few years, um, guys like Aiden Hutchinson, the Bosas, you know, uh, George Karloftis, all these guys who third down, He's going to be lined up on one edge, and and you need that tackle to be ready to go. Um, give me the guy you can just count on for three years 
uh, so that the quarterback can be comfortable and confident. I mean, we still have a young quarterback. You know, you don't want him thinking what's going on on his backside. <laughs> that sounds strange, but um, <laughs> yeah, give me that tackle to just lock it down on the end. I like it. No, I I think uh, you know we're we're both getting at the lines of scrimmage here. That's that's extremely important. Next one I want to get to a little bit off the field, but a little bit on the field as well. Um, you know, we talk a lot about how recruiting and the stars and they, they don't matter as much as a lot of people say they do, but they matter more than other people say they do. There's, there's a a balance there. I want a five-star. I want a five-star. I don't care what position he is. I don't really care where he plays. I don't care where he's from. I want a five-star. And that's just, I know it sounds like, uh, it, it just sounds dumb, right? But there's something to that where you can really start to feel that recruiting momentum. You can, you can start racking up a bunch of four stars, but a lot of programs do that, right? Not too many programs get to that level. Not too many programs get that five star. And I feel like that's one of those things that really just set you up that next rung of the ladder. And uh, it it would just be really big for, I, I think, what Mel Tucker is trying to build and trying to recruit. The last five-star commitment we got was Malik McDowell back in 2014. And, you know, you kind of think about that time, and that was right in the middle of the peak of D'Antonio, and it felt like, all right, not only are we dominating on the football field, uh, we had just come off a Rose Bowl win. But now we got a five-star coming in. We got a pretty good class in general, but, you know, capped off by this five-star Malik McDowell. He's staying home. If you remember that recruitment, it was a a hell of a journey with his parents refusing to sign the letter of intent. But, uh, you know, we landed the five-star, and and it was just like rocket ships to the moon. Here we go. And obviously for those two seasons, 2014 and 2015, it, it started panning out. And then we know what happened afterwards, but I I just think that would be like that next step in recruiting. And then once you get one, it's a lot easier to get that second one because there's that blueprint now where the other five stars, the other, you know, elite blue chip prospects, they see like, Oh, he chose Michigan state. Like, huh, what are they doing up there? So give me a five-star again. It it could be an offensive guard, it could be a quarterback. It could be a wide receiver. I really don't care. I just want that recruiting momentum and Mel's vision to start really paying dividends in that upper, upper, upper class. And I know he's capable of it, and I know he's looking for it. So give me a five-star. Yeah, I like it. You'd think um, with where Tucker obviously wants to take this program and the fact that recruiting is supposedly his strong suit, Um they're going to have to start coming in eventually if we're going to stay on track. Um, not all of them, but you know, like you said, get one in and, and see where you can go from there. Kevin, maybe you've looked this up before, but uh, hopefully not. Do you know how many five stars, according to 247, have ever we, committed to Michigan? I State? recently was uh, the other day, actually, I was listening to some of our old. Uh, like preseason takes and I was trying to go through and and find some of our takes. So I literally, we talked about this in the preseason. So I know the answer it's five. And uh, I think 
all of them, ex- well, three out of five were line of scrimmage guys, which I think is interesting. But yeah, five, uh, the, the most recent was Malik McDowell. And then from there, it was William Golston. He was a, a Southeastern jungleer, I believe is their mascot. I remember seeing him in person in high school and just thinking, holy crap, this guy is enormous. Uh, but yeah, not, not too many. They're few and far between. Yeah, so Malik McDowell, William Golston, like you mentioned. Um, and then back in 04, Roland Martin, t- offensive tackle. And the pair of them in 2000, which I was too young to give half a crap about recruiting at the time, <laughs> obviously. But both uh, class of 2000, Charles Rogers and Jeff Smoker, both top 15 guys, had to be just an incredible time to be Nick in the Saban. program. Nick Saban recruits. <laughs> I don't know if Nick Saban ever coached them on the field. Um, but yeah, obviously they both did great things at Michigan state. Charles Rogers, an absolute legend and Jeff Smoker, um, a hall of famer in his own right, uh, for Michigan state. So yeah, uh, it'd be great to add to that list. Obviously the recruiting rankings don't go back. I think it was right around the turn of the century that they started them. So I'm sure there would be more back in the day that would qualify as five stars that they just weren't ranking at the time yeah it looks like it says since 2000 so right like i uh, know less i know tj duckett was like a huge like big time recruit uh and obviously you go back, you're right you go back and, and there's plenty of guys you could throw on that list especially if you go back to like the 60s like i'm right, guessing yeah. bubba smith would have been a five-star recruit <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah i like it five star uh you'd think We'll be hopefully hearing about one in the next couple classes. Um, all right. My next, it's on the field. Uh, it's not personnel related. And I don't know how you'll feel about this. I have always wanted to see a blackout uniform. Ooh, okay. I don't know how they'd integrate the green and everything. I think they'd certainly have to do it the right way. And I don't get me wrong. I love the all greens. I think that's currently kind of our darkest, you know, intimidating, go as dark as you can look, but give me like a one night game, blackout uniform, black helmet, um, blackout the stadium. Maybe. I don't know. I think I I'd love it. I always love those looks. Um, and I think you roll it out for like a big, pre not preseason um non-conference night game right you get a big opponent on campus roll those out i'd love it i yeah i would like that we saw the the black basketball jerseys the other day so you know you kind of see you use that as a template um i think those are pretty popular among the fan base so i i think uh yeah that, i think people would accept that one i, I think you're onto something there in general, like I, I think Mel Tucker loves the the alternate jerseys. He's done a good job of that so far. So uh, the black is the next iteration that we just haven't really seen yet. So I, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, I got a couple more here. I'm going to go with, you know, I, I got a, some honorable mentions here. If we have time, I'll rattle a couple off. But the last one that I really think, you know, this is from just the the straight fan perspective. I, it might be low hanging fruit. Give me some beer at Spartan stadium. Come on, man. It's about damn time. I, I, we don't need to, to spend too much time on it, but I, give me some Bud Light Miller light. I don't care. I don't need good beer. I just need beer at Spartan stadium. 
I we can spend a little time on this because that is my third <laughs> on my wish list as well. I, I lumped it in with just revamping the bathrooms and concessions, but oh, definitely yeah. priority number one is getting beer. But just I mean, you're go you're pouring money into your training facilities. You're I think they just approved some um stadium updates actually they haven't released a list of exactly what that's going to mean but the trustees did just approve it uh so we'll see what that means but get nice bathrooms for everyone not just for you know the club seats and revamp the concessions so we can get more than you know a cold soft pretzel and some popcorn right um and and give us some beer. I, I get there's some concerns because it's, you know, there's students, whatever. Guess what? They're all already drunk. You're going to make and a they're all ton of money anyway. So, <laughs> right. So you're going to make a ton of money charging $12 a beer. Uh, make it happen. It's time. I think this would have to go through, if I understand correctly, like the Michigan legislature. Um, but like, just do it. Right. It's time. So they're Spartan Stadium's what, like seventy-eight thousand, something like that. Yep. Let's say, let's say half are drinking one beer, just just to make it an easy number. Uh, I'm sure you would have either more or less people drinking a beer, and then you know, obviously, a lot of them would be drinking more than one. Just to throw it out there, thirty-nine thousand people drinking a beer. Say you're selling them ten bucks a pop. $390,000, your profit margin, you're looking at, you know, what's 75% if, yeah, at like least 50. If you're selling a beer for 10 bucks a pop, your profit's probably pretty good. Like we're, we're searching for boosters. We're heading to our billionaires, but I mean, you're looking at easy 2 million, million bucks to, through a, yeah, through a football two season. Million. Like, I mean, you're, you're, Two million bucks for a football season just from beer? How much are you doing with it? Like, you know, you, that's a whole football building upgrade. That's that's a whole that's a coach. You you just hired a coach from selling beer, right? Like, it's you you just paid your defensive coordinator for two seasons. Like, it, it's um, yeah, it's, it is low hanging. It's, it's a win win. It, it's a win win. Yeah, and then yeah. and then I, sponsored. So we have the, the 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 you know like the defensive coordinator sponsored by the whatever family. Give me give me like the offensive coordinator sponsored by Miller Light. <laughs> this, his by whole contract Bush. is just uh, yeah yeah. It, it can could you negotiate that? Like if I'm if I'm an up and coming offensive coordinator, and I'm like just give me the beer sales. I, I don't want like a, a specific salary in my contract. I want the beer sales. I'll be sponsored by Bush Light. <laughs> it can fluctuate week to week or year to year. And uh, yeah, I, I, that would be a nice roll of the dice by some like up and coming offensive coordinator. Maybe that's the new like contract trend that uh, <laughs> that comes up. <laughs> and to bring that back on the field, it's like a shortcut to what Mel Tucker wants the stadium atmosphere to be like it's definitely right. a cheap way to get there but like you want the woodshed to be the craziest place to play a football game all year just give them beer yep i also thought about you know chopping the the student section by like 20 percent because that that upper bowl usually we fill the first five to six rows of that without much of an issue for a decent game 
but it's always the top of the student, the upper bowl of the student section that gets emptied out or never gets full in the first place. And that's always the part that doesn't look very good. If we just chopped off 20% of the student section, like it would, it would suck for the students for a big, big game, like a Michigan and Ohio state. But on a week to week basis, I think those are seats that aren't being used that would be bought by, you know, adults with tickets very quickly. So So, I was thinking about that as well. And certainly probably just 10% and you'd probably fill it almost every time if you cut it by 10%, but also, and I know this probably won't happen, but move it to one of the end zones, like right on the end. And I think the best place for it would be the North end zone because it's a little bit lower. So I think you could take like corner to corner on that North end zone and you could just fill it with students. Yeah. And then you have that awful atmosphere for an opponent. Let's say they're backed up to the two yard line after a great Bryce Berenger bomb and you're backed up, you're standing in the end zone trying to call it out. And literally from ear to ear, you know, behind you, you're covered with students right now. Like no wonder students don't want to go to the game. They get the worst seats in the house. And, and I know you, it's because they don't, sell for a very high ticket price if you open it up to the general public but like if you want that atmosphere get the kids down just like the izone that you know i'm sure the breslin center could make a whole lot more money if they were selling those tickets to you know boosters and fans and not students but they have one of the best atmospheres in the country because they make that sacrifice to get their best fans right on top of the play so i would i've always thought move the student section to the end zones instead of the corner and, and you'd have instantly a better atmosphere. Right. And then, and then it affects overtime too, when you, you force them to go into that end zone, or if somebody's trying to hit a game winning kick into that end zone, like it, it does make a big difference. Yeah. Um, and it's just a cooler look. Like you look at Penn state and like the camera shots of the end zone, it's just, it, it feels right. It feels like that's, like the students aren't an afterthought, like, Oh, we have to make room for the students. Oh, whatever. Give them the corner. Like, no, put them on the end. Put like, I love what uh, Penn state does with that little S with the colors that they do, like the colored shirts, like do like a Spartan head in, in the student section with shirts or something. I don't know. There's so much more they could do with it. No, I agree. Uh, Stadium wise, another, you know, honorable mention here was just, We've, we've toyed with it a little bit this season and they've been trying to do something with it, but just an improved like intro in general. And I don't even necessarily have any great ideas for it, but almost anything would be better than what it is. Like I've seen a lot of, uh, I think it's Georgia that does like, you know, the, the, basically the red and black light show and, you know, they, they black out all the lights and then they bring in that like something like that with like they turn off all the lights at night games and then they start flashing like green neon across like the stadium or, you know, like something just out there. Awesome. Like electric because the the whole player intro has been pretty, just pretty static the last few years. It's, it's not this like big dynamic electric atmosphere that, that we're really looking for it doesn't really set the tone like it should. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And they tried to do the swag surfing and I just don't oh, that think it resonated <laughs> at all. 
Um, we'll see if that grows at all in, in the coming years. But again, now let me give you this vision, Kevin, move the student section to yep, the North yep, end zone yep. and like blast some fireworks off over their heads, over those two smaller scoreboards. And like you said, integrate some lights, the smoke machine that they use, maybe get like 10 more of those because I like what they're onto, but it's also like this tiny little pimple yeah. <laughs> on the ass of Spartan I've stadium. That. It's like this tiny amount whisper of smoke. Uh, it looks cool on camera, right? When they stick the camera right into it. Uh, but it, when you're just sitting in the stadium, you're like, Oh, huh. Look at that. A little bit of smoke. <laughs> um, yeah. They could do a lot more with the intro. I agree. It's, I, I thought it would be cool to somehow integrate like the, the Spartan, the fit, the phalanx uh, formation they do with their shields. I don't know if you'd give shields to the players or if you'd need like, that would be cool. Right. Like you, you bring them out in that formation and then they break through and run onto the field or something. I don't know. It, it, you'd be borderline cheesy. Like you'd have to do it the right way without it just being like kind of awkward. But I, I love the teams that integrate like, like a big thing about their mascot and their culture. Like you've got the, the sooner wagon, you've got the, the seminal riding out on the horse. You've got a couple horses around the country actually, but whenever they do something like, like bigger like that, I feel like it works really well. They've tried to do like Sparty throwing his sword into the, into the field or whatever, but that just feels, it's not enough like, grandeur it's not enough pageantry for the size of the stadium the size of the spectacle if if you got like the offensive line as like that first group out of the tunnel and they all have like the big bronze shields and they're in formation and they kind of slowly walk out the first like up to the goal post maybe and then everybody like breaks through behind them that would be sweet See, we're on to something. Any MSU football staffer who happens to come across this, we're, we're open for consulting. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. send Just you send us rates. an email, standingroomspartans at gmail.com. We'll, we'll get back to you. <laughs> we'll get the fans involved. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get all the perspectives and we'll, we'll take this thing to the stratosphere. I, I like that, man. I'd never thought about something like that before, but now that you bring it up, that would be kick ass. Um, Anything else we got a, a like two minutes before we got to get out of here, but was there anything else that popped in as like little honorable mentions? Yeah. Just like an undefeated season in a national yeah. championship, but that's kind of an afterthought with a generational hall of fame Heisman winning quarterback. Right. Yeah. And in a dynasty that lasts 10 years, right. We're not asking for much. <laughs> no, that's all I got. All right. Uh, well, let's get out of here then. Hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope whatever holiday you do celebrate is full of, of joy and family and, you know, whatever, whatever that holiday is all about. If you don't celebrate any holidays, well, then I don't know. I hope you have a good day. Um, I, I, I wish the best for, for everybody in your endeavors. So Merry Christmas. We will see you next Monday. We will be previewing the Michigan State and Pittsburgh Peach Bowl on Thursday, December 30th. So set your timer for that. Make sure you're subscribed uh, because we will give you the full breakdown. Who's in, who's out, who we're looking for to break out in the bowl game. Bowl games always have kind of that one guy you're not really sure. And, and it, it might be a flash in the pan like Trenton Gillison in that pinstripe bowl. It might be somebody that, you know, you're looking for a bright future ahead. Bowl games are always kind of unique like that. So very excited 
New Year's Six Bowl, people. Don't forget. Don't don't let the uh, the fans down the road spoil your enjoyment of getting to a New Year's Six Bowl, playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. I know Kenneth Walker isn't there. I know Kenny Pickett isn't there. It's still special. It's still awesome. And we're still very excited. And we're still going to preview the whole damn thing on Monday. So until then, Merry Christmas. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks. Oh,